Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. How many times I'd come to an altar and, and commit my life to, well, I'm going to pray for three hours a day. You know, well, I should be able to knock that off. Just three hours, man. I got to give myself to God. I want to, and I would hit and, and start, and 20 minutes later, I quit <laughs> because my emotions, see, began to uh, battle. The flesh and the spirit will always fight. So to overcome my emotions, I had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is uh, my best friend, and uh, he, you, you have to have a relationship with him because, because he's not your emotions. He's a person. He's a second person in the Godhead. He's not the Father, and he's not Jesus. He's the Holy Spirit, Holy, Go- I, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same, same thing. And so you develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to do that, it affects your emotions. Now, now catch this, because once your emotions are settled down, then the Father can speak to you. Uh-huh. Because, see, there's something about Dad coming into the house. Jesus is like the elder brother. You just follow him, looking unto Jesus. Because as I look unto him, I see how the Father raised him up. Because the Father has the same intentions for you is to raise you up just like he did Jesus. That's why they were called Christians. They were Christ-like. They were like Jesus. They didn't know the, the early church this community of faith, they, they, the, the world didn't know how to label them. They, did, they didn't know how to say, what, what are they? Who are they? Are they a political movement? Are they just an offshoot of Judaism? What, what kind of people are these? And so the best term they came up with was a Christian. Christian was really a pagan name for the church. And so as I see Jesus as my elder brother, yes, he's God. Yes, I worship him and adore him, but at the same time, he is my elder brother. See, he, the, the word became a man, it became flesh, right? Why? why? Why did God have to become a man to reveal himself to you and I? That, that's such a mystery to me. I said, God, you want to reveal who you are to me, so you became a man. Amen. So I watched Jesus looking unto Jesus. We worship Jesus. We love Jesus. But he is in the family as my elder brother. Amen. Amen. You have to see this. Because then what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection has given you direct access to the Father. Amen. Because when I go to the Father, it's not quite like the Holy Ghost, and it ain't quite like Jesus. It's something else. 
See, some of you go, oh, yeah. Because, see, you've tasted of that relationship with him. I, I appreciate Pastor Sonny. Where's where Sonny? There he is. When you prayed, the guy, <laughs> I just, you guys are all right. I just love you. I, I really do. You guys are just fanatics, man. You know, Sonny comes up, pastor says, you know, Sonny's going to lead us in prayer. And so I'm, you know, ready for him to rattle the rosary or something. And all of a sudden, the man's on the floor. He's crying out and calling out to God. And I said, my Lord. Amen. Amen, brother. But he said in that prayer, see, I I listen. I got to listen. So I'm listening. And he says, oh, God, give us new relationship." Well, that's what the Lord's put on my heart. So that helps me begin to speak to you about what God is wanting to do. And I'm a pastor, you know, man, you guys are just, see, this, this is an oasis. It's a watering hole. Las Vegas is known for its gambling and its drinking. Well, what do you think God does? He comes in and he makes you known as drinkers. You ain't drinking the old stuff. You're drinking new wine. Amen. 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 And on top of that, you're some wild dancers, boy. Oh, I love it. Becky and I love it. I just, and the way you embrace me, you love me, and you just, you just love me. And that man, I said, man, I like a place where I'm loved. Some churches I go into, and they say, what are you here for? I said, well, uh, I'm just looking for a drink, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, I'm just looking for maybe a, hey, how are you, man, so this is a oasis, but it's, you're growing, you're, 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 you're maturing, you're, you're becoming more mature, as you begin to be more mature, does not your relationship change, all right. I got to tell you in the Bible so you'll know that I'm telling you the truth here. So you go to the Gospel of John, and uh, let's go to chapter 13 to begin with. We're going to kind of try to work through this because this is a a very critical time in the ministry of Jesus. He's almost completely fulfilled what his father sent him to do, all right? He, He lived 30 years of his life hidden. Because he was born as a baby, and so he had to learn how to be a man who served the Father, who served God. He had to learn that, folks. See, we put Jesus in a category that, uh, uh, and, and, and it's even hard for me to find words because it's, we're talking of deity. We're talking about God. And, and the thing that, man, is such an, uh, I don't want to represent God and hit, not be him, <laughs> I don't want to paint a picture to you that really isn't him. And so uh, when Jesus, this is the fantastic mystery of the word becoming flesh. When he became a man, he became man. Yes, he's God, but he never did anything out of his deity. He did it as a man. So that gives me hope because if he did it, then I can do it. See, if we put him in such a category that we just admire and just put him in a, a, a picture on a frame and just say, oh, wonderful, Jesus, you're just so wonderful, and never really realize what, that he, what he did, he did as a man, so it gives me the potential 
to do exactly what he did. Now, we're not going to die for our own sins. That was his. That was his race. And he said that at the beginning of his ministry. He said, I'm going to suffer and die. And Peter got up and said, oh, not so, Lord. No way, man. No way. And Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan, because Satan was trying to derail the plan of God into his life. Jesus said some remarkable things. He says, Peter, you savor or you favor the things of men because the way men think that's not correct is that they're always trying to save their own bacon. It's all about me, so I have to protect myself. He said, that's not the work of the Father. The Father isn't into preserving you. Jesus talked about that. He taught so much about it. He said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. If you try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. You're not created to try to keep your life. You're created to give your life away. Offerings. It's, uh, it's, it's like baby steps to give your life away. Just start there, 10% of your money. You're learning how to give something away. Don't think, you know, we make these big leaps, folks. We think we're, God's just going to use me in a mighty way, and we can't give 10%. Uh, that, that, he, you're too much of a baby. You have a relationship with him, but you're still bottle-fed. You still need to be burped and carried and, and rocked and caressed and poor baby and, you know, watch how relationships change. Watch how they mature. When they, when they grow, the way you relate changes. When I got old, somebody mentioned it, you know, when I was a kid and you fall down and you hurt yourself, dads would come out and just say, get up and rub dirt on it and walk it off. You know, you just walk it off. Well, when I first got saved, I had many miracles happen, right? Man, I mean, I could tell you several. This thing, boom, 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 boom. I said, man, life, this is wonderful. Then I pray, and there was no boom. They just kept praying, no boom, no boom, no boom. Then I began to stick my lower lip out and get sad. And, why ain't God answering my prayers? Walk it off. So see, our relationships shift. Now, in this time of Jesus here, he is uh, coming to the end of his ministry, public ministry. And for three years, men related to him. They followed him. Anything they needed, they would go to him and he would do. He's changed. It's going to shift. It's actually not just with those disciples. It was the way God was relating to mankind. The way God relate to man was through Israel and the building of the temple and the sacrificial system and the keeping of the law. If man would do that, then they would have right relationship with God. That was going to begin to come to an end. He was ending that. Now watch this in John chapter uh, 13. Go to verse 30. Remember, there was all, all 12. Jesus already washed their feet. He said that you're a servant, I'm the master. Don't, don't expect you to be treated any different than I'm treated. You're, you're not going to, the, the servant isn't greater than the master. So as Pastor Donna ministered about identity, powerful. 
It was powerful. And then she even mentioned, she says, she's starting something and it's going to begin to be fleshed out. Uh, Abraham began to flesh and brought that spirit of God. All right? That Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is so instrumental because he's got to deal with my emotions. If my, if, if my emotions, hey, I'm not going to make it. I'll be taken out. I have to begin to develop this relationship with the third person of the Trinity, be filled and baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I begin to then be able to handle the transition. I went to a dentist when I was a young kid, and he didn't believe in shots or Novocaine. He didn't, he didn't believe in it. He's nuts. <laughs> I was a little kid. My parents sent me there, so when I have a cavity, he just drilled that baby with no shots. And he didn't have those high-powered drills today. It was like, I think he was pedaling. And that, that thing was just stern, man. I, I mean, my Lord. It's white knuckles. White, man. Alive, man. I, oh. And mom said, well, you got to go to the dentist. I mean, fear would hit me. I said, oh, no. It'd be like going to a torture chamber. So then I got a little bit older and went to a different dentist and gave me a shot. Never felt a thing. I said, what's up with that? <laughs> so when I begin to feel the pain of following Jesus, I need a shot. When he comes along and he says, I want you to forgive those that betrayed you, I said, ain't nothing happening, man. No way. But if he gets me drunk enough, I'll forgive them. Amen. I'll tell you, this is how it works, okay? I'll give you a practical thing. I'm pastor of church and pastor of this church. Guy's in the church, been there a long time, and he gets mad at me, and he writes me a letter. And in the letter, he calls me all kinds of names, accuses me of being just, a, just weird and all kinds of stuff, just all the accusations come along, and I'm reading this letter, and as I read it, I'm beginning to get angry. I begin to get mad, and I begin in my mind justifying why I'm right and he's wrong. And he is wrong. <laughs> he never pastored a church in his life. He's never done what I've done. Here he is, got the gall to tell me I'm wrong. He ain't even half saved. No, I'm just mad. I'm just mad, mad. Got that anger perking there, and I'm just mad. God speaks to me, and he says, take that letter, and go into the sanctuary, and put it on the altar, and worship me. No. I ain't worshiping. I love you, Lord. I do. I love you. I'll follow you everywhere. Well, he said, then follow me into the sanctuary. I said, okay. So I get in there, and I take that letter, and I put it on the ground, and then I begin to worship God. Lord, I worship you, and I thank you for your love. And, Lord, you've seen this attack by that man, and I want you to take two of his children out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean <laughs> I'm mad. I'm mad. They never had those. You guys are really holy, man. You are really, really good. Well, that's why I like coming here and you pray for me. And so I'm, I am. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm hurt. You shouldn't be doing that. And the Lord just kept worship. He just said, worship. Come on, son. Come on. Love me a little bit. No. I'm mad and I want to stay mad. Mm -hmm. See, in a marriage, let me put it this way, husband and wife get a little fight, a little tiff. 
and the husband repents and he reaches out to touch you and you go, don't, don't touch me. <laughs> Why? Because that touch is going to soften something inside called your heart and you don't want to be soft right now. You're mad. <laughs> it can work. The, it, can, it can work the other way too. The wife tries to reach out to touch your husband. Your little ego has been offended. Don't be, don't be touching me. Okay. Yeah, help me. The Lord is right. So I'm mad, and the Lord just says, "Worship me." Jesus, I praise and worship you. Okay, not two kids. Maybe a migraine headache too. Maybe that'll work. I'm having a difficult time praising God because of what has happened to me. But he just said, well, just keep on in there. Keep on in there. And so what I had to do, just began speaking tongues. See, speaking in tongues is very dangerous because that's why you don't do it very much. Because the devil has set up something in your life. Now you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you spoke in tongues, but don't do it too much. Because if you keep doing it long enough, you will enter into his presence. Okay? Now, in his presence, you, you begin to see the betrayer as God sees him. When I began to worship God, and he did it to me, he did it. He just did I just love him. He just began to fill me with his presence. Oh, he began to love me. He began to love me, and all of a sudden, that love got greater than the offense. And when it got greater than the offense, I saw the offender. And I did not see him as my enemy. I began to see him as a little boy that has been abused in his life. And before it was over and done with, I am on the ground crying for my offender. Now that, that folks is why the Holy Ghost has to inoculate me to be able to love my enemy. You cannot love your enemy on your own. It's impossible. It's impossible. Okay, have you found John chapter 13? <laughs> Verse 30, it says, Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately and it was night. Now, we know he's talking about Judas, correct? And Judas, we know, is betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He has been in that last supper. He has had his feet washed. Jesus is reaching out to his betrayer to change his mind about what he's going to do. He's refused that. As Abraham talked about, he made his mind up on the wrong way of doing it. He, re he, he made his mind up to make a little money on Jesus. And so he leaves. Now, when he leaves, look what happens in verse 31. It says, so when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. A lot of glory going on. But it was like, have you ever been at a dinner and somebody at dinner with you, you knew was mad at you or been out of shape, and all of a sudden they get up and they leave, and it's like you can breathe better? 
It's like, oh, man. That happened. When Judas left, now the disciples, they didn't know. They didn't know, but they felt this, this thing. Sometimes, folks, when you feel that thing, there's something going on in the spirit. And Judas, the Bible says, Satan filled them. So Satan's filled Judas, and all along, Jesus washes his feet. Satan's in him. <laughs> Jesus is so powerful, man. He'll wash your feet, and you're still full of the devil. He'll still do it because love does that. Love does that, folks. So now it's, they're breathing easier, and Jesus starts talking about glory. And I read that, I say, Lord, I, I don't really know what you're doing here. Glorified. Now you're going to be glorified. God's going to be glorified. Then God's going to be glorified in you, and God will glorify himself in, in himself and glorify the immediate. What in the world? In that two real verses, there's so much glory going on. And sometimes we use terms, folks, that we don't really mean. Glory is one of them. When you say glory, what does that mean? We, we sang the song, one of the services about glory, glory, glory. We're going from glory to glory. Well, what does that mean? We're going to glory to glory. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds good. And I'm with you. So I, I said, okay, the best that I can come up with and understand at this particular time in my life, with the Lord revealing this, glory is where revelation comes where you actually begin to see what's happening. Jesus has said, now I'm going to be glorified. See, they, they saw Jesus as the Savior when Peter said, thou art the Christ. Uh, and Jesus said, whoa, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon that revelation, that rock, I'll build my church. The church is built upon the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, that's glory. It's like when you see a, a beautiful sunset and you just all oh man, glory to God. You say the word because you're seeing something in a way you've never seen before. So Jesus is about to lead them into something they have never seen before. They're used to the law. They're used to temple worship. They're used to blood sacrifices. They're used to following ceremonies and full moons and Sabbaths and all kinds of ritual and feasts. That's the way you do to live for God. Well, you and I relate to God in certain ways. We relate to God. You come to church, you sing, you dance, you hop and jump, ping tongues and preach a little bit. See, we're relating to God in that way, and that's great, but it changes when I met Becky, we met as friends. I related to her as a friend to a friend. That changes. It became more than a friend to a friend. It became a little romantic. Hey. 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 It's a wild crowd, boy. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, Ron Simpkins is my friend. I don't relate to him like Becky. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we developed a relationship, real romantic. Well, I wanted to go a little bit further than just say, having a date, would you marry me? Well, now everything changes. See, so you relate to Jesus in a certain way. He may be your friend. And that's all you want. Well, he ain't going to force himself on you. You might want just a date. 
Yeah, it's up to you. How, how far do you want to go with them? Well, I love them, and I, I like today. We're, we're romantic. Cool. And you, you, you go on a Sunday and date them, and then say, I'll call you later. See, see it's, it's, not, it's not legalism. It's, it's how you relate. God is relating to man in a way he never wanted to. Those smoking mountains and lightning bolts and earthquakes, that's the only way he could relate to man. And he said, look, I want to dwell with you, so put me in this box and wrap it in gold and wood, but don't ever touch it because you, in our relationship, we can't, you can't handle that. When Becky and I were friends and then dating, we never had sex because sex was a certain uh, benefit of, of marriage. When you have sex outside of marriage, you're, you are uh, corrupting a relationship. You, you're you're uh, treating another person in a way you have no right to treat them. See, the world's ignorant. They're just dumb because they're, in the, they're, just, they're just in the dark. They're blind. So I don't uh, really get too uh, shook up about the fact they act like animals and dogs in heat. I, that just, they're just animals. You and I are men and women of God. So we relate according to my relationship that I have allowed Jesus in. So when he's bringing these boys to a relationship they know nothing about, watch this. He talks about being glorified, and then he says in verse 23, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you a new commandment I give to you. What was the old commandment? What was the greatest commandment? Come on. Love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who fulfilled that? Who ever completed that? Nobody. Nobody did that. They couldn't do it. The only one that ever did it was Jesus. He was the only Jew that could ever fulfill the law. That's what he could. When they accused him, you're breaking the law. He just shook his head and said, no, I'm not. I'm fulfilling the law. I love my father with all my heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and I treat my neighbor as myself. And on top of that, the law says he who sins must die, and he died. Why God had to become man was because God had to die, and God doesn't die. So man, God became man so he could die to fulfill the law. See, I go, wow, Lord, you are wild. He says, yes, I'm wild. Now I'm going to give you a new commandment. Don't worry about that other one, because what I'm giving you will fulfill all the law. The law was written on stones. It's the rule book that we put on a wall. It's the list. Pastor Donna mentioned it. You, you tick off the boxes. Well, if I do that and do that and do that and do that, I'm good. When I, before I got saved, I was a Catholic. I knew if I didn't murder anybody, I'd make it to purgatory. <laughs> and, then I'd, and then I'd hope I'd have some relatives to pray me out. 
As long as I didn't murder anybody, but I could steal, kill, or not kill, you know. That's the way I related. False, I related, see, that of life and everything. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. What's this new commandment? He says, I give to you that you know that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I give you a new commandment. How am I to love you? What is the commandment? We see Pentecostals and being free, I'm free, I'm free. We sing, yeah, I'm free, 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 free. <laughs> free, free. <laughs> and what we think that means, I can just do anything I want to do. Well, this is a commandment. A nation is only as good as its law. America is the greatest nation because of its law. When we get to tinkering with that law, we lose the honor of a nation. The nation is the, the beauty of it and the strength of it is the law. That's why when God got Israel out of bondage of Egypt, he took them to Sinai and gave them the law. The Israel nation is one of the greatest nations of the world even to this day because they try and attempt to live by the law that they received from God into Moses on the tablets. But when that tablet was where we know the story, he come down, there they are, worshiping the golden calf, he has to bust up the tablets. They couldn't fulfill it, right? Hot off the press, they're breaking it. The, the Lord was so frustrated because he wanted to love them. He wanted to, to be with them. So he says, now I'm going to glorify myself. You're going to see something you've never seen before. I'm going to be able to enter into you and you into me and we're into the Father. I'm going to be able to love you. And when that love comes in your life, that is what I'm supposed to love others with. When I worshiped, and began to praise God, he began to love me. Love changes my sight. It immediately causes me to see completely different. Instead of seeing this man as my enemy, I saw him as a broken individual that needed someone to love him. He was crying out for love. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is man's greatest need? Years ago he told me. He just spoke very clear. He says, to be loved. And I got up and I said, man, praise God, praise God to be loved. And then he stopped me and he says, you haven't got it yet. You need to let me love you. I know I appreciate when you love me and you honor me and you bless me with your love. God, he, that, he loves that. But primarily, he has to love you first. So it changed every, Lord, how much do you love me? Oh, how much do you love me? It, it caused me to pray and position myself with the Lord. New, new relationship. I, I had, I was relating to Him almost like 50-50. Uh, Mary, well, I'll give a little, you give a little. I love you a little, you'll love me a little. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He said, no, no, no. It's all me. Let me love you. Let me move in. Not date, not engaged. Let me be your groom. 
Now we see we're at a level, folks. That's where God has you. That's where he's, he's wanting you to understand that there is a new commandment, and this commandment is that I will love you, and then with that love, you love one another. Pastor Donna talked about it. The, the revival we're expecting is going to be a revival of love. It's going to be incredible. And through that love, you will minister the way God wants to to an individual because you will minister to them not for glory or not trying to even help somebody, but because he loves him. We have to tap into this. Jesus goes on, all, all of chapter 14, let me just very quickly uh, go through this. Uh, Peter's still upset. He says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Look at that in your Bible. You got your Bible. It's verse 36. I want you to see that because there's something very interesting the Lord's saying. And it, and it spoke to me because it, he asked me a question. See, he said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. The circle now. Do you see that? Now. That word's important. You can't follow me now. But you shall follow me afterward. Do I live in the now or am I living in the afterward? Well, that was just Jesus. I can't do what he did. Then you're in the now. You can't follow me now, but afterward, afterward, you'll follow me. We look at this, the disciples, they didn't, they didn't understand. We understand. Where was he going? Where was Jesus headed? Why couldn't Peter follow him? That's what Peter was confused about that. He said, Lord, I've been following you for three years. I've been a successful businessman fishing. And I left the business for three years. I put that on hold so I could follow you. And now you're telling me I can't follow you. Do you realize the investment I have in following you? And you're saying now I can't follow you. See, he was, he was confused about this. And he even made the statement. He says, Lord, wherever you go, I'm willing to die. And he, and he did prove that he did. When you pull a sword on soldiers, Roman soldiers, it's like, you, you, you might as well just pull out a plastic knife and start swinging it around. You, these Roman soldiers, are they are professional killers. They're soldiers. They'll take you out in a heartbeat, and this old boy Peter starts swinging a sword around. He, he really, he really loved Jesus. He was, he was going to, that's what he, and Jesus even said, Peter, you'd lay your life down for me? I don't think the Lord, the Lord was impressed with this man. Jesus is at the height of his persecution. They were waiting to kill him. And now you got this small group of 11 men, and one of them is bold enough to go as far as death itself. I'll go as far as death itself. And then Jesus said, you know, well, Peter, let me tell you what's going to happen. See, no wonder he was so confused around that campfire. And they said, well, you're one of them. He says, I don't even know the man. And you know, I think he's telling the truth. I, have you ever been following Jesus? I have no idea what he's up to. <laughs> he said, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand this at all. 
I don't know the man. God is leading you folks to a place where he wants to explain everything. Everything. He gives him a little hint. He tells Peter, you're going to betray me, but then he said, don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> we get troubled about all kinds of things, folks. God ain't troubled at all. So here's a guy going to betray, de deny him, and he said, don't be, don't be worried about it, because this is what I'm going to do. You believe in God, believe in me. Just believe in God, okay, folks? And believe in Jesus. You believe him? Do you? That's what, that's what he's saying. He says, look, you be, you've been trying to follow God by the law. All you got to do right now is just believe me. Just believe in God. Believe in me. Well, what about him? What, what, what does he want me to believe? He says, I go, in my father's house are many mansions. You believe that? You got to. In many mansions. And if it wasn't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You believe that? See, I have to, I have to believe that. With, with Pastor Don talking about identity, when, when you see and know your identity, it, it changes your behavior. And when the pressure's on, you don't cave into it. See, how many, how many as believers feel that you have no place? I, ha I have no place. I'm trying to find a place. People go church, 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 looking for a place. People in this city are, are driven looking for a place. I need a place in life. I, I, I need a, a place. And so the Lord said, I'm going to prepare a place. Now watch what he says. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Whew. Don't put that in a second coming. Don't, don't put it that far. It includes that, but it includes right now. He, he went through his crucifixion and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. All of that activity that he had to accomplish, it prepared you a place. And he says, I will come where you are. Where are you today? Where are you right now? Are you lonely? Are you broken? Are you sad? Are you bound? Where are you? Jesus will come right where you are. We talk about being saved. He saved me right where I was at. I wasn't in a church. I didn't have an altar call. There was no singing. There was no organ playing. There was no angels there. I was in a, in a bad place. But it didn't bother Jesus because he said, I've already got a place for you, and I will come where you are. All right? It was amazing tonight. Did you see what happened, man? I mean, we're rocking and rolling and dancing, man. I mean, every one of you, I'm looking around. I said, whoa, boy, these people are singing and dancing. And then all of a sudden stops. He leaves the 99 to go look for the one. That's what happened. He, his love is so, it's so personal. He puts everything, he put a whole service on standby or pause or whatever to go find one. No one will love you like that. Amen.
Amen. The world loves if it's convenient. They're too busy. I can't get to you. I'm too busy. I can't make it. And many times in the body of believers, we, we're not God. And so you, you, you need some help. You, 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 need a, you need encouragement. Where are you? I'm really depressed. Well, guess who will come? But we, we just we, we keep looking for a person other than Jesus. Then we get mad at pastor or our pastor's wife or deacon so-and-so or brother so-and-so. I called him five times, left three texts and nothing. I know. Go, yeah, yeah. And we get mad. And, and you're justified a little bit, but here's Jesus standing. Why don't you? I'm with you, brother. I said I'd never leave you nor forsake you. See, so he said, I'll come where you are. Then, but then what happens? What does he say next? Well, what, we got to read the Bible then. He said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you will be also. He will go where you are, grab you, and take you where he is. That's what happened to me. I'm worshiping God, and all of a sudden, he comes right where I am, right in the middle of my anger and bitterness and vindictiveness and judgment and revenge and all kinds of ugly stuff, all those worms and stuff crawling around. He comes right in the. He's not scared a bit about sin. He don't care. He's not a bit afraid of bitterness and anger or murder in your heart. He's not afraid of lust and all that perversion inside you. He don't, it don't bother him a bit. He'll come right where you are, and then he'll get you out of that. Amen. Amen. All you have to do is call on his name. His name, Jesus. His name, Jesus. Just call on his name. Thou shalt be saved. What, are, Folks, that's a fact. That is a fact, man. That works. Just call on his name. And he will come and get you and take you where he is. Well, where is he? Where is he? Well, he's just out there somewhere, man. What did he tell Peter? He said, Peter, where I'm going, you can't go right now. Where was Jesus going? Yes. Hallelujah. You know what they did and where, where you go? Well, I'm going to the Father. Amen. So where is he? Where, where, where is he? When Stephen was being stoned, not the kind of stone you think of, <laughs> rocks, brother, and they were so mad they bit them. Anybody that been mad at you that bad comes up and just bites you? These folks were ticked off. I, I've had people mad at me and yell at me, but no one came and just... <laughs> just, just bit me. This boy, Stephen, had them all mad. See, folks, you're going to get people mad because they love darkness. Amen. When you're sound asleep in a dark room, somebody come flip the light on and say, rise and shine. What do you do? Turn that light off. My God, what do you think this is? Well, we can't. We're light. We just walk in, cockroaches run, and light shines, and all of a sudden it's like light going on in a bar. Horrible. Bars are dark. They're dark for a reason. 
See all you bar hoppers. You, you know, you know. See, I can relate. See, you know immediately because in that bar, that your girl that you're dancing with is beautiful, man. <laughs> and you're, and you men, you're just the smoothest looking guy. You're like with John Travolta dancing, you know. <laughs> you just, you just, but let those lights come on, and she is. <laughs> well, you're light. Jesus said you're light. You don't have to shine somehow. You don't have to come in. You're just light, folks. That's identity. You're light. You're light, brother. You come into a room, people live in darkness, they're going to hate you. Turn that light off. Turn it off. Jesus said, though, so what do you do? You take a bushel and you put it over the light. He said, no, your light is not given to put a bushel over it. Let it shine. And so when it begins to shine, the first thing you begin to do is see your enemy in a light you have never seen him before. See, you need, you, you, I, I give you, well, the church, the church is all messed up. It's all messed up. My God, it's in terrible shape. <laughs> you, you need to turn the light on. Ask him to show, show me, Lord, the bride. If I found grace in your sight, can I catch a glimpse of the bride? And if you catch a glimpse of the bride, you'll never see the church the way you see it now. People that begin to accuse the church of being said, the church the most beautiful, the most gorgeous, the most powerful, the most brilliant group that's ever walked the planet. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking about the church they throw up on TV screens. I'm talking about the real body of Christ. Do you realize who you are? See, identity. He said, you are the light. So he comes and right where you're at, middle of that junk, and he says, okay, now I'm going to take you. You ready? Are you ready? Take me where you're at. And he lifts you up, and he takes you where he's at. Where is he? When Stephen was being stoned, he opened, heaven opened. He got a glimpse behind the scenes. The curtain was drawn back, and what did he see? What did he see? What did he see? He saw Jesus. Jesus. And where was Jesus? Standing at the right hand of the Father. He will take you to the Father. And he will take you to the right hand of the Father. Now we're getting in some folks that is very, very powerful. Because the right hand of the Father is his hand of power. It's his hand of authority. It, yes, my, Jesus being king. If a king stretched his scepter out, that meant you had favor and you had the ability to talk. I asked the Lord, Lord, how much do you love me? He says, I, I let you talk. I'm approaching the creator. I'm the, the same one. 
And so he begins, how much you love me? He begins to break it down. I let you speak to me. Do you realize how the, the, the privilege it is to pray? The privilege that you had this evening to worship and to dance before in the very presence of God? That same presence that would rest upon the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Jews brought that presence into the battle, the enemies began to be terrified. Do you know what the presence of God did with those Philistines that captured God? Put God in their little temple in the first night, Dagon's knocked over. Left to send him back up. Oh, our God, send him back up, man. There's that ark, that presence of God. Next night, they come in and Dagon's knocked over again. His head's gone and his arms are, or his hands are gone. And then the Philistines began to get hemorrhoids. <laughs> I tell you, Lord, you are too much, man. Now, remember, the Philistines was an army that rode on horses. <laughs> you got it. They said, we got to get rid of this. We Send it back, man. Send it back. They're all walking around, you know. It says, Lord, have mercy. You got any preparation H? But way before then, they're hurting. God knows how to deal with our enemies. We're to love them. That presence is here tonight. Oh. Oh. It's 10 after 8. What do you want to do? Yeah, see, I know you're, you're really drunk, so. I've got I've to get this. I've got to get the. the You've got to read chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. You've got to read it. You got to get in it. When you read it, just pray in the Holy Ghost. You read it and you pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Read three or four verses and then close your eyes. And he'll put you in the scene. He'll, he'll, this, this, this is not a book like any kind of book. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So when I begin to read this book, which is his word, spirit and life, so the Holy Ghost, and I read it, I read it again, read it again, and I begin to see this, begin to feel what Peter felt, begin to feel what the other ten are thinking, began to sense what Jesus is trying to get over to these boys. He's changing, folks, he's changing everything here. And the Jews, when Paul got on the scene, they hated him because he said circumcision means nothing. Why is it today the church is trying to become Jewish again? It's a strategy of the devil to take you away from what Jesus just said. Because watch what he says. He, go, he goes on. He says that Jesus said of Thomas, he said, Lord, I don't, have, I don't have any idea where you're going. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Whew. They couldn't even look into the Holy of Holies. One guy touched it, Uzzah, killed him. You, you and I can walk up and see, see this, is, this is what, what kind of relationship you have. Jesus goes on. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be, be good. Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? 
He has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? See, God's intentions is that when the lost people in Las Vegas look at you, they see something different. You're like a father. See, that, that, that's being done in your life. He goes on. He says, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? Do you believe that? See, when I read this, I answer the question. Lord, I, I believe that. I believe that you are in the Father and the Father in you. Now watch this. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. He is giving me insight of how he did what he did. He goes on, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works. Verse 12, most assuredly. Now, when he says that, it's really like, now pay attention. I'm telling you something right here. You need to really, most assuredly. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. He's going to the father. He can't do the works. He's going to the father. But if you believe in him, the very same thing he did, you'll do. Do you believe that? Are you doing those works? Well, see, that's why I, I said, well, Lord, I believe you, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I ain't, I haven't raised anybody from the dead lately. I tried to walk on the water, but just sunk in that swimming pool. I, I haven't quite done that. So you get honest, see, you, you're, you're getting honest with the Lord. So he goes on, he's trying to show me something. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what's the percentage of your answered prayers? What, if, out of ten prayers you prayed, how many get answered? And yet he's saying here, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Then he goes on, verse 13, if you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. See, we, we don't have time to get into all that. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. With you and in you. He will abide with you forever. Oh, Jesus was leaving. He was on the way gone. He's going by the fire. He was not going to live with them forever. Jesus in the flesh was not going to be with them forever. But he says, another one is coming. He's not me, but he is like me. That third person of the Godhead is going to dwell in you. He's going to be on the outside and he's going to be on the inside. Amen. The Old Testament saints never had that. Never. Never. When you say, oh, I wish I was back in the Old Testament with David. Oh, no, 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 no. 
the Spirit of God would come upon them but could never be in them because they hadn't been born again. You had to be born again. You talk about the Holy Ghost dwelling in you. You have to be as holy as the Holy Ghost for him to dwell in you. Well, you're as holy as he is because Jesus died, rose again, and gave you new life. Amen. That new life, that new person, now I can be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he comes and he dwells in me. His job is not just to make us feel good, though he can do that, and you bear witness to that. His job is not primarily to just get you feeling good and just, whoa, man, I feel good. Woo! No. His job ultimately is to declare what has come with the Father and the Son. He wants to tell you what the Father and Son is saying. The ear begins to be important. In your joy and in your celebration of your salvation, you don't lose that. Don't lose what you have. It's fantastic. If I come back in a year and you look like a bunch of Baptists, you're going to be in trouble. And there's nothing against Baptists. I'm, I'm all, I love them. But there's something very special you have here because it fits Las Vegas. You can't, you can't take this and transplant it to Dallas, Texas. It won't work. God is raising and designing this body for a special reason. So he is, he's brought you to this place, and now he is bringing revelation to you of how you relate to him. In this passage of Scripture, remember at that day. You'll find that phrase, at that day, used several times by Jesus. Mark it and read about he's talking about that day. That day is the day you and I live in. That day is where the Father is in Jesus, Jesus in the Father, and Jesus in us. That day in the place he made for you is a place at the table. You have a place in the Godhead. You have a place to sit with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and commune. And when I hear what they are saying, I can begin to talk. That's why he said, I let you talk. Do you think the devil can sit at the table? Do you think the devil can even talk? He can't even whisper. The devil has no right at the table. I will say no angel, Gabriel, cannot sit at the table. Michael cannot sit at the table. Do you know who you are? Do you know the place? I'm not talking about, a, well, I need a play. We get all mad. Oh, how come I ain't on the worship team? Well, number one, you can't sing. It helps to sing. You know, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot. There's a lot of, you know, you're ugly. I don't know. Don't worry. Don't sweat it, man. 
You have a place. I can pull a chair out, sit down at the table, and sup with him. No Old Testament saint could ever do that. David never, oh, he longed to do it. He died for it. He, he was a man after God's own heart. But the Bible said they all died in faith, never obtaining the promise. Do we realize, folks, what sits here today? Do we realize that I have a place at the table and any time I can go to that place and sit at the table and commune with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Then, what Jesus said, he said, I can do nothing of myself. That, 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 I, don't even, I said, Lord, I don't even understand that. He said, I know you don't. He said it several times, I can do nothing of myself. Jesus, we think, could just do anything, anywhere, at any time. Nope. Do you know what he learned for the first 30 years of his life? He learned obedience. You and I, what are we learning? I'm learning how to preach, brother. I'm learning how to dance, boy. I got some moves. <laughs> you tell, never, never mind. No, no, no. We are learning obedience. If you learn obedience, you'll be successful anywhere, any place you go. I was with three, four, five teenagers. Parents can't handle them, so they're in a special camp, you know, trying to get these kids to live right. And I told them, I said, if you'll learn obedience, and I don't care, you could have the meanest dad or he's the absentee dad, you learn obedience, whether it's through a teacher, a coach, a pastor, somewhere, boss, Nave sub policeman somewhere, you have to learn obedience. Good? You still love me, right? I have to learn it. Amen. When the Holy Ghost comes into your life, it is a spirit of submission. Submit one to another. Who do I submit to? What? <laughs> It's a spiritual thing. We submit to one another. Learn obedience. How do I know the Lord loves me? He will never lie to me. If I love you the way he loves me, I will never lie to you. Mm -hmm. I thought love was that real. <sighs> oh, no. It's obedience. Jesus kept saying, if you obey me, you love me. If you love me, you obey me. And the Father and I will come in and make our home place called home. It's all in me. I carry home in me. doesn't matter where I'm at. Home isn't built by some brick and stone. We don't need a temple. It isn't in a mountain somewhere or in a temple somewhere or in a building. Oh, the church is closed up. No. <laughs> Your building was. Maybe our routine of getting together was. Church was just alive as it could be. 
Hallelujah. Well, let's stand. Do you guys want to know why you dance? You okay? You can sit back down if you need to. And the Holy Ghost hit you, man. When you dance, why did you dance as a sinner? And did you like fast dancing or slow dancing? <laughs> All the guys go slow, brother, slow. Why? Because you could speak, say those little things into her ear. It, it caused, it opened up communication. Herod had a woman come and dance. And it pleased everybody. And he says, I'll give you half of my kingdom. And what did she ask for? The head of John the Baptist, the prophet. When she danced, she opened up hell. And the devil was able to come and convince Herod to ask for the head of a prophet. Silence the prophet. Dancing was invented by God. David danced before the Lord. So when you dance, it opens up a realm of the prophetic. At home by yourself, and you need a word from God. Turn on a little music or don't. And you just can't, you just cold as ice. Nothing happening. You're trying, you're just, you're just praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and you've gone a whole five minutes. <laughs> dance. Just start dancing. Amen. Just move. Well, I don't dance, brother. Dance. No one's watching. I'm not saying film it. I said just dance. <laughs> we don't want to see it. You dance. But when you dance in a corporate mat, it's just not because of the emotional high and you're just, you, you're, you are trying to express your love to God through the dance. But the Holy Ghost, He loves dancing because it opens the realm of the prophetic. God wants to speak to you. God wants to talk to you at a level. Then when you hear that word, that is what you speak. Jesus said, I hear the Father and I speak. And the Father does the work. When you face a situation, you want to hear what God has to say about it. Don't just dive in trying to call out God to, to do. you got to pray to hear what the Father says about the situation. Whatever he says, that's what you speak. If we will learn to speak what the Father says, then the Father can do the work. If I just speak in general ways, it doesn't, the Father, he, He's limited in the work. He moves through what we speak, but what I speak is attached to my hearing to the Father. Listen, Father, I pray that our ears would be open. I pray, Father, that your spirit is so welcomed here. It's so invited here. Lord, that you will teach us and show us the way. Let us know the way of your kingdom. Let us know the way of our relationship with you. 
I bind every lie of the enemy. The accuser of the brethren is silenced. How dare you speak to the people of God? You are Muslim. Thank you.